Hello, and welcome to Making Christ Known, a podcast from Adairsville Baptist Church in Adairsville, Georgia. This podcast features Senior Pastor Eric Sorrell and his sermons designed to make Christ known in Adairsville and beyond. For more information about Adairsville Baptist Church, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. In this final episode of the Seven Churches series, we learn about the lukewarm church at Laodicea. God loves his people, but he must rebuke and discipline those who prioritize themselves over their Savior. This message serves as a reminder to passionately pursue godliness and holiness. Having apathy and complacency, and an unwillingness to admit it, can be fatal for one's Christian walk. If Jesus knocks, will we open up to him? And now, here's Pastor Eric. You know, the book of Revelation is a, a pretty fascinating book. If, uh, if you haven't been with us for a while now, we're, we're in the book of Revelation, and so we invite you to Revelation chapter 3. And uh, sometimes when you think of Revelation, you think of all those, you know, real miraculous type fire from heaven kind of signs and all these wonders that are taking place and all the futuristic uh, events. But before all of that, there are messages to, to seven churches, uh, really modern day churches for the modern day for the year 96 AD. And uh, this is where we are this morning, the last letter to the seventh church, the final church that we'll look at today. It is the church at Laodicea. The church at Laodicea. I've titled this church um, this way, the church that didn't get it and could really care less. Have you ever, ever been around people that uh, they just don't get it? You just think, God bless them, they just don't get it. That they, they're missing something and they just don't get it and they, they just don't understand or, or maybe they, they don't get it and they could really care less. They're like, you know, I just really don't, I really don't care. And this was the church at Laodicea. Maybe you could call them the church with unconscious need. And so we're going to read this message, the words of Jesus to the church at Laodicea. Chapter 3, starting in verse 14. Jesus says unto the angel of the church in Laodicea, write the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. I would, I wish that you were either cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I'm rich, I've prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see those whom I love. I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me. The one who conquers, the one who overcomes, I'll grant him to sit with me on my throne, is also conquered and sat down with my Father on His throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. 
This morning, as we look at this last letter to the seventh church, the church at Laodicea, we're going to look at six points that begin with P. First, I want you to notice the place, Laodicea. This is the last city on that letter route, on that crescent-shaped mailing route. We finally end at Laodicea. It was 10 miles to the west of a city called Colossae. Have you heard of that city before? The book of Colossians was written to Colossae, so they're close in that area. Six miles south, they were, of the city of Hierapolis. And so this is their location. The real important thing that you need to know about Laodicea is this, is that they had a water problem. They did not have good city of Adairsville water that we're blessed with. They they didn't have water. But the good thing is, is that the surrounding cities did have water. Colossae had cold water. Isn't that nice to just have these, these cold waters that you, could, that you could get in Colossae? And so Colossae has it. Hierapolis had hot water, hot springs. And so their water, the cold, the hot, very good, very useful. But the water in Laodicea, not good. Uh, just contaminated, yucky, if you will. So this Laodicea city, they were full of great engineers. And this is what they did. They piped in the water. Uh, They built aqueducts and other systems so that cold water from Colossae could be piped in. The hot water from Hierapolis could be piped in. But the problem with it was this, is that once it finally arrived in Laodicea, you know it was lukewarm. It's no longer cold and it was no longer hot. And they had problems with with, um, calcium deposits and lime. You need to know this about the church at Laodicea because it's fitting to the words of Jesus. I uh, want to also let you know that Laodicea was a wealthy city. They were under Roman rule. Uh, tradition says this, that in the year 60, Laodicea was destroyed by an earthquake. They rebuild the city themselves. <laughs> we got this, right? Red Cross, we don't really need you. <laughs> All those mission trips, it's okay. We have enough money. We can do it. We rebuild our city. And they do, so they were blessed. They had three main industries. Banking, wool production. They were known for a, a black wool Uh, They were proud of that. Banking, wool production, and eye salve. They actually made a a kind of a medicine. It was a tablet that they would crush, and and you could make it into some type of salve, and you could put it on your eyes, and it was good for whatever ails you. This is the church at Laodicea. So you see the city well-established, the church well-established. It's affluent. Uh, The homes were large in this area. Uh, The city actually boasted of two theaters, of two theaters, so you could go to one that sits like 12,000 or so, and there's, a, there's another one that you can go to as well. The church at Laodicea, they actually have Paul's letters. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 16, he actually says this, read some of Paul's letters. And so this church, they, they even knew the Word. As you stop and you kind of think about that, does that sound like America? We got this, right? We're wealthy. We have the banking industries. We have the medical industries. We manufacture things. Maybe it's wool. Maybe it's carpet. You know, we, we're, we're pretty affluent, aren't we? We even have the Lifeways. I mean, we have the, the bookstores. We have copies of Paul letters, Paul's letters, and, and they did as well. A lot of people think that this church at Laodicea, uh, America, well, we're, we just share a lot in common. So perhaps this is the Lord's message to us this morning. We move from the place of Laodicea to the person, the person, Jesus Christ. We see how Jesus Christ is described in verse 14. He says, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. 
Jesus is described in three ways. First, the Amen. The Amen. He is the sovereign one. This indicates his sovereignty and the certainty of his promises. What Jesus says is true, right? How many of you recall those words? I shared it with someone at the festival, even this weekend, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Do you remember in the King James Version, quite often you would, you would read these words that Jesus would say, Verily, verily, I say unto you. Verily, verily, I say unto you. In some translations, it's, it's translated this way. Truthfully, truthfully, I say unto you. In the Greek, it's this. Amen, amen, I say unto you. And Jesus comes to this church and He says this. I am the amen. I am truth. When I speak, it is true. He's also called this the faithful and true witness. The faithful and true witness. He is faithful. He is true in everything that He says. He is faithful in everything that He does. And when some of those people come to our church, the question that they're asking is this, is it true, right? I, I talked with one teenage girl who's basically making truth for herself. She just wants to pull truth from here and there. You know, we, we saw that. But they're asking this question, is it true? Is this religion true? Is, is Jesus true? And Jesus says this, I am faithful and true. Whatever I say, you can, you can bet on it. You can, you can count on it. It is guaranteed. They're, they're asking this question, can I trust Him? Can I, can I trust Jesus with my life? And Jesus says, yes. I'm the amen. I'm the faithful and true witness. The third way he's described is this, the beginning of the creation of God. This indicates his priority over all creation. He's ruler. He's, he's number one. In Colossians chapter one, we read about this, that Christ is supreme. And he's about to speak to this church. And this church needs to know, and we need to know, that, that he's qualified to speak into our lives. Can you think about this? When you have like a medical issue, you go to a doctor, right? You may go to a specialist. And there, sometimes on his walls, you know, he has the credentials to evaluate you. All right, if you're having stomach problems or you know other other health problems, don't come to me. All right, because I don't have the qualifications or the credentials to give you medical advice. You shouldn't trust me, but you can trust your doctor. Why? Because when he speaks, it's it's true. He has all the things to to back it up. And Jesus is in a way saying, "I'm about to diagnose you as a church, and I'm about to give you advice." And I'm qualified to speak to it because I am the amen. I am the faithful and true witness. I am the beginning of the creation of God. And when I speak, it's, it's trustworthy. This is Jesus. Jesus writes to them and He says, I know your deeds. In every letter, it's almost like He says, I know you, I know your works. And He knows them and He knows us. But for this church, there were no words of praise. Only problems. We read about them in verses 15 through 17. Look. Jesus says, I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich. I've prospered. And I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. They have problems. The great physician needs to speak to the first one that he wants to speak to is this. The first problem is this. They could really care less. They could care less. The sin was this. They were apathetic. They were indifferent. You could see it in verse 15 when he says, you're lukewarm, right? They were spiritually apathetic. They really didn't care. That's how lukewarmness really displays itself in our lives. Indifferent. Their consciences were seared. Sins were tolerated. 
Jesus says, you're lukewarm. You don't get it. And you really don't even care. Today, you see this in many of our churches, don't you? You see it in our city. Many have this. We have profession without passion, right? Oh, I'm a Christian. Profess it. And then you look at their life and you go, well, where's the passion? Yeah, profession, but, but no passion. Membership, but no motivation. We hear this. Oh, I go to church. I'm a member of... But then you look at their life and you think, well, where's the motivation? Like, like where's, where's the desire? And many, sadly, in our society, especially in the Bible Belt, they have this churchianity, not Christianity. And so they become apathetic to the things of the Lord. They're just kind of indifferent. They become lukewarm. The second problem for the church at Laodicea, and probably for us as well, is this, that they were ineffective. They were ineffective. How many of you think that the hot water represents good and that the cold represents bad? Or how many of you maybe think now with the context that maybe hot is good and maybe cold is good? The truth is this, is that they were both good, right? At the festival on Friday, there were some people that were giving away cold water. It's good, isn't it? On a hot day like, like Friday, you can drink cold water and you think, oh, it's refreshing. On cold and windy days like yesterday and today, there are people giving away coffee and it's hot and it's good. And you go, oh, wow, that's so good. Cold is useful, right? The, the cold water from Colossae, it's useful. The hot water from Hierapolis, it's, it's useful. It's good. But lukewarm stuff, yuck, right? Just room temperature water. Maybe some of you like that. Or room temperature coffee. What do you do with that? <laughs> yuck, right? This is not useful. This is not very, very good. And Jesus comes to this church and he says this. It's like, you're not cold or hot. Jesus says, I would, I, I wish that you were either cold or hot. So if cold was bad, why would Jesus say, I wish you were cold? Right? Lukewarm would be a step in the right direction. But Jesus says this, I wish that you were cold or hot because this is effective. This is, this is useful, but lukewarmness, you're apathetic, you're indifferent, you're not, you're not doing really anything. And so this is the church at Laodicea. No effect on others. No effect on people in their community. No acts of ministry. No evangelism. No purpose. You say it this way, that, that idleness led to ineffectiveness. Do you know that? That's how we're, we can be lukewarm as the church becomes just kind of idle. And then we, we lose our effectiveness. And Jesus says, this is lukewarm. I, I don't desire this in my church. For our church, for many churches, this is the truth is that we're called to be rivers, not ponds, right? We're called to be rivers. We're called to be moving. We're called to be going out. We're, we're called to be flowing and, and doing acts of ministry, and that's useful to the Lord, but ponds where we sit and we just become stagnant and the crud grows, we're not to be that way. When you become like that, you start to have this sin. And the church at Laodicea had it. It's the sin of complacency. The sin of complacency. Well, here we are. I'm just church again, complacent. Yeah, I'm a Christian. No passion. Yeah, I go to church. No motivation. Yeah, churchianity, right? They practice the sin of complacency. I wrote this many, many years ago. Complacency is satisfied with the status quo. Complacency lacks the passion and vitality it once had. Complacency lacks a vision. It lacks goals. Complacency lacks conviction. Complacency is lukewarm. This is what it means to be lukewarm. These were their problems, and sadly it's the church in America 
apathetic, indifferent, ineffective. This third problem that they had was this, is that they fooled themselves. It was a problem of self-deception and unconscious need. Look at verse 17. He says, you say, I'm rich, I've prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Jesus says, you don't get it. You don't get it. You don't realize your, your great need. You're, you're deceiving yourselves. Materially, they were wealthy. They had everything at their fingertips, yet spiritually, Jesus looks at them and goes, you're poor. Spiritually, you're bankrupt. And they didn't even realize that they were in need. They, they were blind to reality. The Greek word there is tooth Sounds like tooth floss. It means blind. It can mean blind, unable to see, which they were aware of, right? They had the eye salve and all those things. But sometimes it can mean this, unable to understand. Unable to understand. You remember when Jesus says to the Pharisees, you blind guides? He doesn't mean that they weren't unable to see. He means this, that you're unable to understand. You don't get it. And when he writes to this church, he says, you don't realize that you're blind. You don't, you don't see the need. The reality is this, the church at Laodicea, they had stopped caring. They would stopped loving. They had stopped giving. They had stopped serving. They had stopped learning. They had stopped leading. They had stopped reaching. They had stopped teaching. And they were blind to it all. And I wonder, what are we blind to? What are the spiritual needs around us that we just don't get? And Jesus would say, you don't, you don't realize it. You don't realize it. There was another problem in verse 17. He says this, You say, I'm rich, I've prospered, I need nothing, not realizing that you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. They say this, I need nothing. It was the sin of independence. We don't need anything. We're like the self-made city. We rebuild ourselves. We have all the industries. We have everything that we want, even a copy of Paul's letters. We don't need anything. We really don't need Jesus. We can do this on our own. Jesus said, you can't. Apart from me, he said, you can do nothing. This is the same for us. Apart from him, we can do nothing. So Jesus will give them a prescription. Here's what you need to do. He says, I counsel you. Here, here's my advice. We read about it in verses 18 and 19. Look at it. Jesus says, I counsel you. Buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. And white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. And salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Jesus' advice is this. He says, find in Christ, find in me, buy from me. This is a relationship, right? And he says three things. The first one on your outline is this, true riches. True riches. Jesus says, buy from me true riches. These are spiritual riches. You have banking. You think you have everything that you need in that banking industry, gold. But he says, what you need is this, is you need me. You need Jesus. All those spiritual riches that are talked about in the book of Ephesians, right? Buy from me this. Here's the second truth. He says, find in Christ true purity. True purity. True purity is the righteousness that God provides through Christ. And they could identify with this, right? They had the black wool garments. And he says, you, you think you have this in this wool industry. 
But you don't, you don't get that what you really need is not that black. You need, you need the white garments. You need the righteousness of Christ. And you only get it through me. Jesus is the one that provides this. The third thing that they needed was this. True spiritual sight. True spiritual sight. Buy from me the salve, he says, to anoint your eyes so that you may see because you're blind. You don't even recognize it. Oh, that you could see. In verse 19, that last word, we really get the greatest prescription of all. He says, so be zealous and repent. Repent. Turn from your sins to God. Repent. Martin Luther said, the whole life of a Christian really is that of repentance. That that's what we're constantly doing. Turning to the Lord. Lord, I need you. I'm not self-made. I can't do it on my own. All the money that I have, all the technology, all these things. But what I really need is you. And Jesus says, you need me. You need me. So repent and turn. The fifth piece stands for this. The, the possible judgment. The possible judgment. If you don't come to me and buy true riches and true purity and true spiritual sight, something's going to happen. And this is the possible judgment. We read about it in verse 16. Jesus says this, Because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. I'll spit you out of my mouth. David Platt, who's pastor at the church at Brook Hills, is now uh, president of our International Mission Board in the Southern Baptist Convention. I'm so excited about it. This guy is my age, and he has like multiple doctorates and you know, just megachurch pastor. has now moved on to the International Mission Board. If anybody has a vision for taking the gospel to all the unreached people groups, it's this guy. But he tells this story about being probably a, a teenage boy, and he preached on this. And he said probably the first sermon that he preached, I guess, he, he, he walks up to the podium. He's got a full mouth of water looks over the, you know, his peers and goes, this is what God says He's going to do to you if you're lukewarm. <laughs> but the truth is this, is that Jesus says this, right? He says, this is the possible judgment. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I, I vomit you out of my mouth because I don't like this. This is not acceptable. I wish that you were hot or cold. He goes on in verse 19 to talk about more possible judgment. Look at verse 19. Jesus says, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. I reprove and discipline. You know what the reproving is? It's the spanking. It's the penalty. It's, it's the time out. It's when... One of my children, they do something wrong and I, and I have to spank them. This is the, the rebuking. This is the, the reproving of you. This is the penalty. And the discipline is this. It's when I hug them and go, now listen, I need to train you. This is why we don't do this. I, I love you. And, but here's, here's the way we really act, right? And Jesus says, the possible judgment is this and it's the same for the church. Those whom I love, I rebuke, I reprove, and I discipline. And he does that, spanking and training. But do you see his motivation? It's always love. Jesus loves me. This I know. And sometimes he corrects. And he was going to come to this church and correct them. And they had to turn to him. This is the possible judgment. The last piece stands for this. It's the promise. 
He gives all the churches a promise, and we see His promise to the church at Laodicea. Look at verses 20 through 22. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, the one who overcomes, I'll grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my Father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The truth is this, and it's so sad. The imagery is this, Christ was kept outside his own church. Sad, isn't it? He stands at the door of his church and knocks. I want in, but you've shut me out. You, you thought that you didn't need me. You thought you could do it on your own. And so, yeah, I'm a gentleman and I, I just went out, but I stand at the door and I knock and it's like any one individual anyone any church member could go to the door and say Jesus we need you I readmit you into the church come and rule I need riches from you I need purity righteousness from you I need you Jesus and so we open the doors and Christ says I'll come in and I'll eat with him and he with me and it's true fellowship it's a relationship this is what the church in America needs, right? We've got it all. The one thing we lack is the most important. You've probably heard this, this verse quoted as an evangelistic verse, right? That we, we say it to the lost, that Jesus stands at the door and knocks, and anyone who would, who would hear and would open, He would come in. And really, though, from the context, it's not a verse to the lost. It's a verse to who? The church. It's a verse to the church. And it's true for, for the sinner, right? It's true. But the context, the truth of the passage is this, that Jesus wants to be admitted into that church. The promise is this, all the overcomers. Verse 21, the one who conquers, the one who overcomers. He says, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. It's that, that song that we sang this morning. It's victory. Victory in Jesus we get this promise of fellowship with Christ, of victory with Christ, and if you believe in Him, you get that promise too. This is the church at Laodicea. It's the church in America. So what's the application? Maybe it's just simply saying those words, Oh Lord, we need You. I ask you these questions to think about, are we spiritually apathetic? Are you indifferent? I mean, if, if you really got an evaluation from Christ, would He look at you and go, really, you could care less? I just don't see it in your life. You're apathetic. Do you even care anymore? Have you stopped caring about things that you were once so passionate about and you think in your life, I just I fizzled out? Do you feel spiritually ineffective? Maybe that's you this morning. You say, you know what? I kind of feel like lukewarm in my life. I don't, I don't feel hot or cold. I don't feel like I'm really useful. And Jesus says, readmit me and I'll make you useful. I wonder about us, do we romanticize our current condition? They, they had to be doing it, right? We make ourselves appear better than we really are and we think we're okay and they thought we're okay. What are we blind to in our relationship with God? What are we blind to in our church? What are we blind to in our community? Are we complacent? Satisfied with the status quo. Satisfied where we are spiritually. And I ask you, what will you learn from this church? How can we act and, and think and live differently? 
thank you for tuning in to this episode of Making Christ Known. We invite you to join us again next time for another sermon from Adairsville Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.